Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Packed House on KCOU 88.1 FM. My name is Mickey Doolittle alongside Aiden O'Connor and Grant Salzman. Joining us today is a very special guest. He is the Assistant General Manager and Vice President of Analytics for the Baltimore Orioles, Mr. Sig Mytel. Mytel, sorry, I already messed it up. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Sig. How's it going today? Good. Good to be here, Mickey. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for those of you who do not know, uh, my dad would tell stories about growing up and, and going to college with Sig. And he, and really, he kind of, in my mind, was this like figure that, I don't know, it, it was kind of weird. Like he was a so cool figure that I, I could never meet, but I, I finally did a couple of years ago. And it was great to finally put a face to your name a couple of years ago. So I just wanted to jump in and ask your story. Like, how did all this start? uh in college as a child whatever and and how did you get your foot in in the baseball industry yeah um well you know, thanks for those kind words i think your your dad's telling some tall tales but uh anyway we'll go on so i was always interested in baseball and numbers and statistics and you know was involved in the research that was going on but nobody really cared there wasn't much research going on and at least I never had the imagination to think of myself as anybody but a baseball outsider until 2003 when the book Moneyball came out and that described how the A's had brought in uh, an economist to help uh, bring in more modern ways of evaluating entities. In this case, it happened to be baseball players. And so it was at that point that it, it changed everything. I naively thought that all the teams were going to be racing for their own analyst after, you know, the A's had revealed sort of uh, some of the secrets to their success. And so it was at that point that I started applying to any teams, even though there was no announcements for the jobs. Uh, I attended meetings uninvited and just was trying to get my foot in the door, trying to convince them that they needed to create this position. And then surprise, surprise, after they created the position that, that, hey, I'm available to fill it. And so long story short, it took about a year and a half of that before it lined up with the St. Louis Cardinals and the owner, uh, Bill DeWitt, had decided to frankly fix things when nobody thought they were broke, mm -hmm. brought in a McKinsey consultant, made him scouting director, and then they brought me in in 2005. Yeah. And then uh, if you mind me asking, what, what were you doing at the time that, that you decided to drop everything and try and become a, a baseball analyst? Yeah, I mean, I was working. I had a contract at NASA Ames uh, in sleep research. So it was really mathematical modeling. So it was some good practice for baseball. That was about half of my time. And then the other half of the time, I pick up uh, contracts for interface design, sort of usability testing. And if I didn't have enough work, that was fine. I would travel South America or something. So it wasn't <laughs> a very typical uh, like corporate ambition that I was exhibiting at the time. Yeah. And then uh, so you spent seven years with grant's cardinals he's a big cardinals fan from st louis yeah. huge Cardinals. <laughs> and um, go ahead yeah just kind of questioning like that how did it kind of all start would you say like the cardinals were really progressive in like the sabermetrics like 
obviously the MLB is now, or was it kind of a slow like push to get them to where you wanted it to be? Yeah, it was a different time back then. So I think I was the fourth analyst hired in baseball. So that means that 26 of the teams thought the perfect number of analysts to have is zero. Mm -hmm. So, and it was relatively recent after Moneyball. So there was a lot of pushback. So it was just a, a, a different world. Uh, the credit has to go to Bill DeWitt, who decided to put up with uh, the drama that comes with a change, especially a change initiated by ownership and especially a change initiated at a time when the team was winning. So Bill had brought in Jeff Luno, had given him responsibilities of the draft. He became the scouting director without you know, a baseball playing or scouting mm -hmm. background, which was extremely unusual at the time. And Jeff had brought me in to help with the draft. So it was really making sense of the college numbers adjusting for the context the parks the strength of schedule that sort of thing and then weaving that information into the draft decisions along with the information that the scouts produce which is is uh despite what moneyball says it it is uh quite predictive after you squeeze all you can out of the numbers mm -hmm. and so was it a time when not many teams were doing this and very few teams had a scouting director who was willing to perhaps put his expert gut aside and really anchor to what this accounting-based system was, was pointing to as the player to take. And Jeff was not shy about doing that. Bill DeWitt was not shy about doing that. And so we had a lot of success over those seven years in, in the St. Louis draft because of it. And I actually had a specific question about draft evaluation and um, and how you differentiate college prospects because college is easy. You can adjust to conference. You can adjust. You can get an easy, pretty easy gauge on competition level and everything. Um, but high school players, like, are you looking at travel ball teams? Are you looking at specific, you know, conferences within high school leagues? Like, I, I could not even begin to wrap my head around how you begin to evaluate that. No, it's a good point. And it's much more difficult. If you imagine sort of the decision-making pie and when you look at a college player, so much more of that is described by his three years in college and, and likely two years in, in summer leagues, while uh, the scouting voice is much greater for a high school guy, because simply, as you hinted at, it's much more difficult to make sense of, of the data. So many of these guys are getting pitched around. Yeah, uh, They're sort of like the Babe Ruth amongst their teammates. <laughs> so for them to expand the zone is actually a legitimate strategy when you're Babe Ruth. Yeah. And so it's harder to get a sense of their, their plate discipline. And so a lot of it, a lot more, we rely on uh, the scouting expertise. Yeah. And uh, so you spent seven years with the Cardinals and then you went to Houston uh, for another seven. Is that right? Yeah. 
Awesome. And then now you're with Baltimore and, and you followed throughout all of this, you followed Jeff Luno and who, who were the other guys that were really constants in this? So Jeff Luna was the one that hired me, as I said, in St. Louis. He's the one that got the GM job in Houston. And so I was the first one he brought over from St. Louis. And then Mike Elias was the second one. And uh, Mike Elias and I have, have come to Baltimore just over three years ago with um, Mike being the GM. Yeah. Um, yeah, just kind of a question about your time with St. Louis and Houston. For most of the time, both of those organizations were really successful. What's it like like to be a part of an organization that's winning and winning World Series and just performing at the top of the league? That, and a team that you built, yeah, like that yeah. you specifically built nonetheless. Like, Yeah, uh, it was me and a, a bunch of others. I would never dare <laughs> nod my head. Yeah. <laughs> I built Obviously. it. I had a, you know, I had a part that's of it. That's, that's for sure. I know. Um, no, there's nothing. I mean, like, uh, since I started working in baseball in 2005, I don't feel like I, I have a job. I just get to do this stuff that interests me and I would do on my own time out of intellectual curiosity. But now I get to do it. And amazingly, they put it to use. And so just working in baseball is a thrill. And coming to the ballpark where the offices are is a thrill. And when the team is in first place or in a pennant chase or in the playoffs, it's, I don't have words for it. It's just this amazing experience that I, I know I'm lucky. Few people get to experience it and very few get to experience it under the context of, of this is work. So there's few things as, as exciting as, as, being in the stands and experiencing the highs and lows of, of the playoffs. Hmm. Now, one more question. So were you at game six of the 2011 world series? Cause in my opinion, that's the best baseball game I've ever watched. <laughs> so I'm just curious. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think I lost uh, half a decade of, of life of my life during that game. Yeah. That was, that was nutty. Uh, yeah. I just remember I was like, 10 years old or eight years old yelling at the tv yeah. i'll remember the game like it was yesterday that's the david yeah. freeze homer right yes yeah yeah and the josh hamilton crowd yep. silencing oh. home run in the top of was it the 10th yeah and, and then uh, berkman responded in the bottom of the 10th yeah that was that was nutty uh yeah there was and also a Jackson's game five if you remember the game five houston astros uh, 2017 World Series, the the Bregman walk off single, and I don't even remember the score. Was it? It was 13 to 12. Yeah, 13 to 12. Yeah. As to this day, I don't I don't care what happened after that. I'm sorry, Grant, but that is the greatest game I have ever watched in my <laughs> life. Like that is that was incredible. Um, I don't know. I have another question about like yeah. implementing analytics like as you said you were the kind of the first one to be hired by the cardinals and you know i don't know what the astros situation was with all of these modern metrics and everything before you came in but what was it like to try and implement them and did you have to do any convincing i'm, I'm sure you did but you know like how what was that like yeah so 
this is probably the biggest lesson I learned in analytics in my time in baseball that I was completely 100% unprepared for that. My experience in analytics was at university and then at NASA Ames, a research center. And so these are both in a good way, like very biased institutes that data drives the day. It's like the air you breathe. It's just evidence-based decision-making mm-hmm. is how things work. But in the real life, and especially in baseball, and especially uh, I think when these outsiders are to some degree, rightly so, a bit of a threat, data and evidence doesn't drive the day. And human beings aren't all just cocked and ready to change when uh, a process that they're skeptical of is introduced. And so I initially I had done, I'm sure I had done everything wrong, you know, treating the scouts, treating the decision makers as if they're NASA researchers and I'm just revealing the data, thinking that's going to change their mind. But again, in real life, that is not how people change their mind. And Mm -hmm. so there's a whole field of change management and different strategies you could take, even the world of motivational interviewing. And so I think the big takeaway is that people are not completely rational beings. And if you are trying to get them to rethink to be willing to examine a convention it's not just going to be showing data you're going to have to get them to like you you're going to have to have them feel they're on a journey with you you're going to have to feel that get them to feel that this is not only in their best long-term interest but this is somehow their idea also and none of those things are easy and I, my guess is that even if you do them well, you're still going to have a giant failure rate. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a quick question that's more recent. Uh, it's been in the news. Uh, so your name and obviously Baltimore's front office as a whole has been in the news recently with the decision to push back the left field wall at Camden Yards. How, how significant is that change statistically for games played there? Yeah. Um, before I get into the statistic part, it's a significant change. This is... <laughs> Um, this is Camden Yards. This this is loved by the city and loved by baseball. So that change wasn't taken lightly. Um, our GM described it well in, in the press conference. And he was saying, you know, just frankly, it doesn't do the Orioles any favors to have such an extreme park that, frankly, it's a bit more challenging than other teams experience when it is time to attract uh pitchers free agent pitchers and so that was some of the pressure for the move and you know while any change is drastic it's it's um it should be really having us take a a a step towards a more neutral stadium a more normal stadium as far as that goes Yeah, so it was it kind of like it was kind of like the opposite of what the Giants did a couple of years ago in moving the fence in to you know make it more of a hitter's park. Is it, is that about right? Yeah, and I think it was opposite as far as that goes, but similar in that the Giants were extreme in in one direction and they took a step towards a more neutral stadium. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, another question kind of just about sabermetrics in general. Uh, obviously, it's really implemented in baseball and the MLB. Could it work in sports like football, uh, basketball, soccer? I mean, I know some soccer teams have kind of started to take the money ball approach, but not to the extreme of like what the MLB is using. So do you think that if other sports started implementing this, it would work? Yeah. And sabermetrics is just another word for analytics, just mm -hmm. analytics in baseball. And analytics is really just taking a look at past data to help you make a more informed decision. And so it's not just other sports. It's, I would argue it's every single industry in which records are kept uh, at the time of the decision and results are recorded and and one has the ability to go back and look at look at the relationships between the two and so while our mind goes to baseball it's it's a team sport but in many ways it's an individual sport and mm -hmm. it's easy yeah. to attribute or much easier to attribute the uh, individual responsibilities of success and failure while in football you know was the completion done because they were double double teaming the other you know tight end or receivers and uh it's just more difficult but yeah so what like perfection's not not the the test it's being better than than the other teams in the league and so while i bet baseball is a bit ahead uh of other sports like football and hockey uh it's inevitable that analytics is gonna uh, continue to grow and make its way in the decision-making process of of every sport and every industry yeah just as it yeah. gets better and better that makes sense uh do you guys have any other questions yeah i've got one more if you don't mind yeah sure uh, if you had to explain the importance of advanced statistics to the, you know, the casual baseball fan, the everyday baseball fan in just about like a sentence or two, how would you go about doing that? Yeah, I think when we look at statistics, we're looking for something that quantifies the skill, the value of a player. And so we'll take batting average, the most popular, most cited one, uh, Pretty much as soon as you learn the rules of the game, you realize that a single is not equivalent to a home run and that a walk is not of no value. And so of all the metrics to grab, why would you grab one that weighs the single the same as a home run? And so these advanced metrics just try to um, grab the most appropriate, most illustrative metric there is to help you understand uh for instance this player's offensive contribution and you know it's uh it's a model it's as you could get as complex as you want and go down the rabbit hole and get more and more complex but to be content with you know batting average for hitters and wins for pitchers seems like you're you're missing the opportunity of of just learning and enjoying a bit more about the game. And actually just a quick follow-up to that. What, uh, if people want to get involved in learning more and, you know, quantifying data a little more for baseball, what are some good like public websites that you know of, if you do know of them? Like I know yeah. Fangraphs is great. Yeah. 
Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so you mentioned them. I mean, uh, baseball reference, fan graphs, taking a look at not only the research that's out there, but how they derive, you know, their OPS plus or their war calculations. And you'll be exposed to a, to a you know, a very long and <laughs> thoughtful history of, of what we talked about, of trying to quantify the value of a player. And, you know, as new data or new technology comes in, like TrackMan and such, you see all sorts of uh, intelligent people doing research out there and you'll get lost. You'll, if you love baseball and you're fascinated with this, uh, you'll, you'll go down that rabbit hole and, you know, six hours have passed before you come <laughs> out. Yeah, it's a long, deep rabbit hole. And we did just have one last question for you. Super Bowl predictions, Bengals, Rams, who you got? Oh, I don't, I don't, you're asking the wrong guy. Uh, <laughs> I love it. We got two helmets though, right? That are, <laughs> that are modeling the, the actual animals. Yep. Stripes or horns. That's cool. Uh, I got a, a friend that works with the Rams. So uh, I'll go with the Rams in another close game. How about that? All right. That sounds good. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, it was great talking to you, great catching up with you, and and good luck with the rest of the way with the Orioles. No, I'm happy to do it. Thank you very much. I'll Thank see you, you guys. Bye-bye. Have a good rest of your day. Yeah. See you.